This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Turn with me in your Bibles to uh, Philippians chapter 4. It's our, um, our base scripture that we're using. And again, we're talking about ministering to the body. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. In Philippians chapter 4, starting with verse 6, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus. Now, the, the purpose for this, this series of messages is for those um, you know, of you that, that, that may be experiencing some frustrations in, in your families. You may be, uh, you know, for anyone out there that the family doesn't behave 100% the way that they want them to behave at all times, this message is for you. That should include everybody. And so we said that in ministering to your family, you have to consider the whole of man. And the whole of man is spirit, soul, and body. That you can't just, in ministering to your family, you have to consider your family in spirit, soul, and body. You can't just minister to one aspect. You can't just, you can't just preach, 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 preach. Trying to, trying to reach the spirit, but you, you don't actually get involved. You don't actually put your hands on. You don't actually interact with your family. That, that's not going to work. You can't just go and work and work and work and work and work and say, because I put a roof over your head, I put food on the table, I, I buy you everything that you ask for, that that's going to establish your family. You have to minister to your family, spirit, soul, and body. And so we wanted to bring some clarity in terms of, you know, what does it mean to, to actually minister to these different aspects of, of, of our families? And we said that, you know, in a family, the, the Holy Spirit, it has a role. The Holy Spirit wakens up the spirit inside of us. But in the, the role of the Holy Spirit is to lead. I mean, just to keep it simple, the role of the Holy Spirit in a family is to lead. And we said that, that the soul, that, that the soul is actually, some people say, you know, um, so that the soul is good or that the soul is bad. We say, well, no, the soul is actually neutral. The, the soul, all it does is it, it weighs and it considers. The soul, it weighs and considers. It, 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 it decides based on the information that's been provided to it, based on what you, you put into, based on what you put into your soul. Then it processes that information. If, if you tell your soul that, that I want to do the will of God, your soul says, well, let me, let me figure out, let me understand how we can do the will of God. If you, if you tell your soul that we're going to fulfill the desires of the flesh, the soul says, well, let me think about ideas and propose solutions to fulfill the desires of your flesh. It's all in the information that you give your soul. And so your soul, it, it, it weighs and it values. We said that the, that the solution that the soul needs is the word of God. That your family, they need to hear, to understand, and apply the Word of God to every situation. And then for this last portion, we've been talking about the role of the body in the family. And oftentimes, you know, when, you, when we're talking about the body, we're talking about 
where the rubber meets the road. We're talking about your actions. We're talking about what is clearly seen by everyone. It's not about what you meant to do. It's not about what you intended to do. It's not about what your desires were. It's about what, what, what actually happened. What happened here? What is, the, what is the state? What is the condition? You know, you can, you can mean to get diapers, but if your, baby, if your baby is soiled, then you know you need to take action. You can, you can mean to get food for the family, but if your family is hungry, then you haven't taken any actions. Listen, I know this is Texas, but I come from a place where you can mean to get a winter coat. But if you don't get that coat, come November, December, you're going to know it. You're going to know it. Actions. It, it's oftentimes that, that we find, especially with our young people, as they are developing and as they're starting out in their families, it, it's that place of action where, where the anxiety comes up. Where they're saying, you know, I, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, but I don't know if, if what I'm doing is actually going to be effective. I don't know if it's going to have the results that I expected for it to have. And, you know, I'm doing these things and I'm putting all this work in, but I don't even know that if I get the results that I thought I was going to get, if that's actually going to get my family to where they need to be. And so there's anxiety. And so we said that the, in our objective for this message that we want you to be, be anxious for nothing, but to seek the Lord in all things. We said in order for you to, 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 um, to deal with anxiety, is that you're going to have to develop confidence. Confidence in what God will do. We said that the things that God will do, only God can do. You, you, can, you can set your mind at ease that those things that God will do, that you don't have to try and make up that difference. You don't have to try and be in God's place. You don't have to try and put somebody else in God's place because what God will do, God will do. We said that what God will do, that it's vital. That God, He is life. That what God will do is vital. That what God will do, that it's, it's not optional. That your, your family needs they need what God will do. They need what God will do. And in order to, to, to understand and to act on, 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 with confidence based on what God has already done, that you're going to have to seek three things. You're going to have to seek wisdom, strength, and mercy. According to the role that God has given each member of the family. So look, we, uh, we're going we're to press right into, in knowing what God will do, just, just real quickly, what, what, what are the things that, that God will do? We said that, that, um, that God, He is the God of forgiveness. Now, reference scripture is in Psalms 103, verse 2. We're just going to read it. As I, as I was studying, you know, I never, I never take for, for granted, you know, the times and, and, and the, uh, the moments that I have to share with you all. Um, you know, God, God was, uh, was, was just opening up these scriptures to me. And, and, and it just seemed as though that there was a, there was a whole another place of, of, of insight that, that he was giving me with respect to, uh, 
to what we're teaching on today. And so I want to make sure that, that, we, that we go back to the word of God. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. We said that God, he gives forgiveness. He gives a release or pardon from your sins. That God gives healing. That God, God gives healing. That God brings forth restoration. Yes, go to the doctors. We want you to go to the doctors. Yes, take your medications. We want you to take your medications. But just know that healing comes from God. That God, he gives redemption. He is able to provide deliverance. He is the one that paid the price for our sins. That God, he is the one that gives rewards. That there, there is no reward that this world can offer that is above the, work, the reward that God has given. That he puts us in position. He puts us in a place of favor. And what, what is this reward that God gives? He gives loving kindness. He gives loving kindness and tender mercies. We said that God, he gives satisfaction. Listen, what God gives, only God can give. You can try and look for it in other places, but if it doesn't come from God, if it's not originating from God, then it's not going to be what you think it is. All satisfaction can only come from God. That he allows you to be content with, with your current position. As well as knowing that your future is secured. God gives contentment. Last time we talked a little bit in depth about how, how God, that he governs times and dispensations. That God governs times and dispensations. We've been talking about dispensations. It seems like for a year, maybe two years now, that God governs times and dispensations. Yes, he, he is the creator of time, meaning chronology, the time that passes. But he is also the author of your time. That there is a time of opportunity. That there is a time of opportunity. There is a time of opportunity in your marriage. Open up your eyes. This is a time of opportunity in your marriage. There is a time of opportunity with your children. Hear the word of the Lord. The time of opportunity with your children. Listen, there, there, there's times when you're going to be so caught up. They're going to be so distracted. There, there'll be times when they're not going to be even within your reach. Take advantage of the time of opportunity. Take advantage of, 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 of this season in your marriage to set it on course to do the will of God. Take advantage of this time. We said in, in, in order to, to do the work 
to do the work that we're going to have to seek direction. We said that the work is your interaction directed towards the living in order to establish the will of God. The work is your interaction with people in order to accomplish the will of God. In order to do the work, you're going to need direction. So go to Philippians. You're right here. We said that, that it says that be careful in nothing. Philippians 4 and 6 are foundational scripture. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so we see here that in order for you to, to be careful for nothing, in order for you to be anxious for nothing, that there's going to have to be prayer and supplication, making your requests known unto God. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You're saying, God, I, I know what needs to happen. I've got some ideas. I'm ready to take action. I want to make sure that what I'm doing is effective, that it's beneficial to the kingdom. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we're going to go into some biblical examples of uh, how are we to pray? How are we to seek the Lord? And first of all, we need to know that, that we need to seek the Lord for wisdom to do His will. First, we need to seek the Lord for wisdom to do His will. We say that God, He has the answer. God has the answer. Indeed, God, He is the answer. Go to James 1 and 5. James 1 and 5. It says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. It says, if, if, if you lack wisdom, the answer is from God. If you lack wisdom, the answer is from God. Go to Proverbs. Turning your Bibles back to Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs 9 and 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. God is not just an, an add-on to wisdom. He's not just something that you can mix in to see if that adds to the flavor. No, He, he is wisdom. Wisdom. 
if it doesn't start with him, it's not wisdom. You can't just take your traditions and your old ways and say, let me put a thank you, Jesus, on top of it and expect God to bless that. No, he is the beginning of wisdom. You can't just what put, just put what daddy did and what mama said and, and, and say, Lord, bless this and expect that to be wisdom. No, it has to begin with him. Wisdom begins with the word of God. You know what you should do with what daddy did and what mama said is you should take that and break it down into its components. It says, where can I find that in the word of God? Where is that example in the Word of God? And I found it in one place. Where can I find it in another place? Because the Word explains itself. Truth is fundamental. It's throughout. How can I see that thread of connection in all that God has said? Does it come from love? Does it come from tender mercies? Wisdom begins with God. The second thing that you're going to have to pray for, and these are, your med- these, these are things that you can meditate on, these are scriptures you can meditate on, is that you need to pray for strength to do his will. And this is something that, that, that just kind of opened up in new dimensions for me as I was thinking about this, this word and this concept of, of strength. Because too often when we hear the word strength and we think of being strong, we, we think that, that the strong man is able to move the weight with no effort. We, 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 see, we see these brothers and they, they got plates stacked on the bar and they're pushing them and they're pushing them and they're pushing them. And we think that it requires no effort. And that's only because when we get under the bar, we, we, and nothing happens. And so we think that because the brother can push it, that it requires no effort. No, no, strength requires your effort. You know, too often, husbands in the house, you, you, you think that because every time you go in there, there's a carton of milk in the refrigerator. You think every time when you look that there's something on the top shelf and the bottom shelf in the pantry. You think because when you go and you open up your closet that there's clothes in there that it required no effort. No, but there was effort and energy put into that. There was strength put into that. You think because the children have shoes and clothes that fit them properly, even though you don't even know what stores they shop at, that it required no effort. No, strength, strength does require effort. You know, the, the work, when you think about strength, the work happens... Before the change happens. If there's going to be a change, effort is required. But the the, the work, it happens before you see the change. We're always looking for the change. We're looking for that end product. But we don't realize that, you know what, in order to get from where it was to where it is, that there was effort that was needed. There was effort that was needed. Go to Isaiah Isaiah 40. And every time I see this, I, I almost get lost. I'm not going to get lost on you all this morning. 
But just knowing Isaiah 40, meditate on this. It says, He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, He increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, did it say that God was going to magically make it happen for you? Did it say that God was going to magically just open up every door and says, no, you're going to have to run. If you run, you won't be weary. You're going to have to walk. But if you walk, you won't faint. What does that mean? What does that mean? It means that that what you put your hands to, according to the will of God and according to his purpose, just know that it will not fail. You may run all the way to your end, but just know that your work and what God is doing, that it has not ended. That what God is doing, it has not ended until it accomplishes its purpose. You know, I was looking... As I was studying this concept of strength at, at, um, at, at, at teaching in, in Mark chapter 9. And so much is happening in Mark chapter 9 all the way from Jesus going to the mountaintop and being... In the transfiguration happening to where, where a man brings his son to Jesus that's been afflicted. And, and the affliction is, is such that, that, it, that it brings the child or it brings this young man to harm. I'm not going to say that he was a child. One of the things is, is when you look in Mark chapter 9, Verse 21, it says, and this is Jesus, he says, and he asked his father, he's talking to the boy's father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. Jesus says, how long, how long has this been happening? How long have you had to deal with this situation? How long have you, has your child been afflicted by the Spirit? And he said, of a child. And he goes on and says how, how he goes to his child, is often puts himself into danger and in harm's way. And we're going to dig some more into this at another time. But what I want you to focus on is on verse 22. It says, the second part says, but if thou canst do anything, this is the father The father is talking to Jesus. He says, 
God, I'm tired. It's been so long. I've been, I've been working with this boy. You just don't. It's been a long time. He says, if, if you can, if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. He says, my, my, my strength is almost about to give out. If, if, if you can do anything, if you can do anything, but don't you know that what God can do, God can do? Listen, Jesus says, how long has this been happening? And the Father says, well, when I look at it on my, on my calendar, it's been going on all these years. But what he should have said is, you know what? Lord, what, what's the season? What is the time? I know in chronological order how long, how many days, how many hours, how many years I've been dealing with this behavior. But Lord, is this the time? Meaning, is, is, is this the season? Is this when change is going to happen? He says, if you can. If you can. And Jesus says, if you can believe. If you can believe. He says, not if I can do. If you can believe. All things are possible to him that believes. This is where when you're lifting weights and you call that spotter. Because you, you've almost got it up. You've almost got the bar up. But it doesn't quite seem like you're going to be able to get it the rest of the way. He says, and straight away the father of the child cried out and said, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. I've been working. I've been pushing. I've been doing all that I know to do. I believe. Help my unbelief. He's praying for strength. He's praying for strength. Listen, in your prayer for strength, you're going to have to apply obedience. And what is that? Obedience, that is discipline, action, following close observance to the instruction. Obedience is discipline action following close observance to the instruction. Obedience, it places the instruction above personal opinion. It says, I, I don't care what I think about it. I know what the instruction is. I don't care how I feel about it or how uncomfortable it makes me. I know what the instruction is. And I'm going to place that instruction above everything else. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. It, play, it places the instruction above the perception of others. It says, I, I value the words that have been given to me. Philippians chapter 2, just starting with verse 12, it says, Wherefore, my beloved, have ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, not just for show, but now much more in my absence, 
Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do. Both to will and to do. His good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. It's saying that the God he's working through as you do the work. As you exert the effort. The God he's working. He's the one that's showing you how to do the work. He gives wisdom. Wisdom begins with the Lord. And he's also working in you to do his good pleasure. As, as you're praying for your, for your family, you're seeking direction on how to apply your actions. You're going to have to pray this, in this third area, this area of mercy. Mercy is for those that deserve judgment. Mercy is for those that have done wrong. Perfect people don't need mercy. It's the rest of us that need mercy. Mercy, what it does, it it extends the time to allow for repentance and conversion to take place. Go to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Listen, the Lord, He he governs times and seasons. He, He governs your time. Don't don't miss out on your time. Don't miss out on your time. The verse nine, Second Peter chapter three, verse nine says, "The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." Now listen, those are two of the most powerful words in Scripture. What two words? Any. In all. He didn't say that, that, he, that, he, that he's only willing for, for the good. For those that, that seem like they could possibly make it. For those that are deserving. No, he says that he's not willing that, that any should perish. And that he wants all to come to repentance. He wants all to come to repentance. In order to be long-suffering, you know what that means? That means you're going to have to suffer. In order to be long-suffering, that means you're going to have to endure insults. In order to be long-suffering, that means that, 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 that someone is going to try and take from you what they shouldn't. But you're going to have to endure it without retaliation, without thoughts of vengeance. In praying for mercy, 
You're going to have to also be able to move forward. You've got to move forward from your mistakes and from the mistakes that other people make. You're going to have to move forward from your mistakes and from the mistakes that other people make. What does that mean to move forward? Does that mean I should just let them you know, do it again and again and again? Listen, when you move forward from a mistake, when you move forward from your mistakes, that means that you make the changes so that that mistake is not repeated. When you move forward from your mistakes, you make the changes so that that mistake is not repeated. Like, I'm not going to allow myself to be in that situation. I'm not going to allow myself to be in that place. To be in that position. I, I know where I made the mistake before. I'm not going to go down that road again. You make the mistake. You make the changes so that the mistake is not repeated. Put it, put it in, your, in your reference for meditation. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 verses 19 through 22. I'll just read... Verse, verse 19, it says, And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Verse 24, If our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart. It knoweth all things. If our heart condemn us. If, if, if I see the mistake and I know that I would fall into that very same thing today. If it was presented to me. But God, he's greater than our hearts. He says, yes, you, you would fuck this because you're flesh. But you're going, to put the, you're going to put the things in place so that you're not in that situation. So you're not in that situation. Something about strength is that You'll find out that, that when you put the, the, the processes in place so that you're not in that situation anymore, you know, there might be a time when, by happenstance, you happen to, to be on the periphery of that thing. And that thing that would have drawn you in before, you didn't even notice it. It's almost like God put blinders on you. And you didn't see that thing His word is a lamp unto your feet, a light unto your pathway. He guides you. You're going to need to pray for mercy. Lord, how can I apply wisdom to my family? How can I apply strength to my family? How can I apply mercy into my family? These are the, these, these are the areas that you need to pray in. So we're talking about the how. Some, some quick examples of, of, of the what. Well, what do you mean wisdom in what area? What do you mean strength in what area? What do you mean mercy in what area? You already know what the areas are, but I'm going to repeat just a few of them for your benefit. Husbands, Ephesians 5 and 25. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church 
and gave himself for it. He says, Lord, how can I love my wife? Teach me how to love my wife. Listen, it's, it's not just about being there. It's not just about putting the hours in. Lord, show me how to, how to love my wife. Lord, give me the strength that I need to love my wife. Why? Because change is needed in our marriage. And in order for change to happen, I'm going to need to put forth the effort. Listen, it's in one place in order for it to get to the other place. I'm going to need to put forth the effort. And i got to put in the effort before I see the change. Listen, i got to put in the effort when I'm eating TV dinners instead of home-cooked meals. Hey, there's no hot chicken tonight. I'm putting in the effort. i got to put in the effort when the money was spent that shouldn't have been spent. Guess what? I'm still putting in the effort. i got to put in the work. Lord, show me how to demonstrate mercy and loving my wife. How do I demonstrate mercy and loving my wife? There are things that I should have said that I didn't say. How do I get past that? How do I make sure that I give the compliments that are needed? Lord, I knew I should have let that go. But something I did say that I shouldn't have said. You can't unring that bell. You got to deal with that. She's putting me in an uncomfortable position, in an uncomfortable place. I need, I need, Lord, I need this wisdom and loving my wife. I need mercy in loving my wife. Show me how to demonstrate long suffering. I, I, I understand the suffering part, Lord, but show me how to demonstrate long suffering. Because I can't retaliate. We can't go tit for tat. No, your, your work is too important. Your kingdom is too important. Ephesians 6 and 4. Apologies. Ephesians 6 and 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Lord, I need wisdom. Give me insight. Lord, I, it, it doesn't matter what I see on the outside. It, does, it doesn't matter what, what, what other children are doing. It, it doesn't even matter what, what their grandparents say that they, that they look like they could be. I, Give me your wisdom. Who are these? These are your children, Lord. Show me how to present them to you. Listen, I know we're talking about fathers, but just like Hannah brought her child to the temple and said, Lord, if you give me a child, I'm going to give them back to you. Lord, give me the wisdom to give my children back to you. Show me how to, to feed them. How to give them your word to build them up. Lord, show me where to put the restrictions in place. 
the way that, that, that something is perfected is that, is that discipline and restrictions are put in place. And where those restrictions are, strength develops. Capacity develops. Show me, Lord, Father, how to, how to be long-suffering with my children. Give me guidance on, on terms of mercy, how I can show mercy to my children. What are the words that I need to say? What are the actions that I need to do to help them to develop the correct boundaries and barriers so they don't fall into that sin, so they don't fall into that sin again? It's, it's, it should not be said, fathers, that you put your daughters out because they got pregnant out of wedlock. Mercy is needed. Listen, it, it should not be said that, that families, fathers, that you turned your back because your daughter got pregnant and she went to a clinic and she's not pregnant anymore. Listen, you know what's right. You know what's wrong. But now is the time, fathers. You need to put those boundaries, those borders in place. Show that mercy. A mistake that is made once shouldn't be made again. Fathers, just because your your son he got into that situation, it could be anything from harm that he's done to himself to harm that he's done to others. Our young men too often they they find themselves self medicating, trying to deal with life, trying to get through the expectations that are placed on them by society. Fathers, pray. Say, Lord, how can I, how can I show mercy and compassion to my son so that he knows that he can get past, that he can get through, that he can get to what you've called him to. This last thing for fathers is you're going to have to pray. Pray that your, your families, that their eyes are opened. Pray that, pray that their eyes are open. And what does that mean in your time of meditation? Look at 2 Kings chapter 6. Starting around verse 17 where, where the prophet Elisha, he has been surrounded by the king's armies. And his servant goes out there in great dismay. And he says, Master, we're, we're, we're surrounded. They've come to take us. And Elijah tells his servant, don't, don't be afraid. 
Listen, it may seem like the world is against you. But don't be afraid. And then, what I love is that Elisha, he prays to God. He says, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. Open the eyes of your servant. As parents, as fathers, we see things that our children don't see. We, we've been places that they haven't been. We have experiences with God that they haven't had. Oh, we have confidence. We have great confidence. Because we have an expected end. But they're seeing what they see. And they feel what they feel. So yes, I know that you are afraid. I know that you think that the way out is for us to go out there and kill the surrounding armies. But listen, that's, that's not what God has in mind. So I'm praying, Lord, open up, open up the eyes of my family. Let them see your will, your purpose, and your direction. I don't want them to try and think of it the way that it used to be. Look, God is doing a new thing. The, the way that it happened in the past was for that old season. That was for a time long ago. But now it's a new dispensation. Now it's a new time. Now it's a day of salvation. When God is calling all men to repentance. Open up the eyes of your servant. So that they, that, that they can see. I need my wife to see. I need my children to see. That greater are those. Greater is he. That is in me. And he that is in the world. Greater. It, 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 Elijah, he says, if you, if you would just open up his eyes, he would see that we are surrounded by a host. A holy host. And our numbers are far superior. Just know that you plus God outnumbers any situation. You plus God outnumbers any circumstance. So, fathers, pray in these areas how to love your wife, how to bring up your children. And as your family's eyes are open, you'll begin to see that as you pray in these areas, that, that your words will, will penetrate. It, it'll, you still have to do the work. Listen, you're still going to have to put your hands to the plow. You're going to have to push that bar. But guess what? It's not, it's not you that's pushing. But the greater one is, is also working in you and working through you. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net. Thank you.